How's Work is an unscripted one-time counseling session focused on work. For the purposes of maintaining confidentiality, names, employers, and other identifiable characteristics have been removed. But their voices and their stories are real. So I'm going to listen to each of you, see if I can discern your voices, the voices of identical twins. We'll see if she can figure it out. Okay. Let's go. So I'm older, 30 seconds older. <laughs> we always like dressed the same, like played the same sport. It was just us. Like we just were so content, happy being with each other. So it's kind of like the creepy twins you like see in movies. <laughs> yes, so one of you has a deeper voice than the other. Uh, I my guess is you have the deeper voice. Yes. <laughs> they started doing business together in their teens in small town Texas. We were 14. Yeah. We started detailing cars. My parents told us if we wanted a car that we would have to pay for it by ourselves. What made it flow for me was like, there was not one of us in charge and one of us as a follower. True. They've had three businesses since then, and they're still in their 20s. They've asked for the session because they've been getting into more and more power struggles. I don't know if it's going to work for us to work together without us just like fighting like crazy. The way they understand it is that one is the natural born business person. He has the talent he knows to command the room, and the other doesn't seem to pull his weight. Put me in a room of businessmen to, to pitch an idea or try to raise money, I'm like shutting down. There has been such an investment as a unit, inseparable, identical twins. I think it's even gone to the point of like, if we wanted to get married, our partners probably won't ever understand us like the other one does. But there is more to this story. One of the big differences that's like observable is that I'm getting it straight. Differences of identity have impacted not just their personal relationship, but their business relationship in ways that they have never spoken to or admitted to each other. So before we go actually in the muck, give me a tiny bit more you know, what is the kind of the, the general broader culture that you grew up in? So the context we grew up in was extremely, extremely evangelical Christian. We didn't know anything different. I got pretty sucked into uh, church here. That was just very, very, very divisive in that realm. Just kind of hateful, honestly. And then he came out as gay and all of a sudden it was like protection mode. Uh, so, I mean, I'm thinking of the past six years, that's kind of my context for this. Broader background is very Christian background, broken away from that. And he's had people really come after him pretty aggressively in a hateful way. That's, that's the context of trying to get straight into all the muck. Okay, I'm done. Um, I, Feel similarly. I think what I was going to add on is I, I think the context is like we saw a right way to be, like look, present yourself. 
the type of work you do and everything like that. So it was a lot of the same. You know, my my dad, successful, was kind of like in that circle of people. And so my culture for like what it looked like to be successful or a man was very, I had to be that certain way. So I would say that's definitely what we absorbed for a really long time. Um, and that's kind of been turned upside down in the last three years. Our family just has completely come behind me after coming out as gay, like so supportive. I don't even remember telling them because it was so not a big deal. I think our family as a, as a result has lost a good number of friends since then. So I think the culture that we grew up in is, I don't feel like we belong in it anymore. I agree. We also, that's one of the reasons I think we've become so tight. We've always been tight, but whenever we feel outnumbered, you know, we always have each other to go to. I still feel like I'm hyper aware and hyper protective for maybe the past six years, which I think might have caused some issues. Um, And why is it three years and six years? I'm saying six years because that's about the time since we graduated from college. And uh, yeah, I, so I've been like comfortably out open gay for three years, but the questioning the first three years was probably a lot more questioning. And I think yeah. that's so where I think I've just understood something. Um, but tell me if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. While your brother is thinking about what he wants to do and what's going to be the next business you're figuring out who you're going to be. Uh, yes. Oh my gosh. Because I have felt like behind, like it, like if he's here and I'm here, I feel like I'm trying to catch up, but that makes a lot of sense because I mean, I've, I was forced to consider so many things that maybe you haven't had to. You are in, in the midst of confusion in the midst of measuring the risks of what it means to come out as gay in the middle of a, Christian evangelical family and culture. He's thinking, what do I want to do next? And you're thinking about what am I going to be next? Yes. Uh, wow. That, I mean, even from my perspective, that feels extremely accurate because I felt very, very torn because I'm thinking, I want to go do this and I want to build this. And then I also know that all the crazy stuff that you're having to go through. And so I felt like I'd put all that on hold or give it away just to, because I, I knew all the stuff you were going through. Because mm-hmm. you had free energy. I did. Your psychic energy was available. Yeah. His psychic energy was taken up with secrecy, with being closeted, with the fear of rejection, the fear of excommunication, etc., etc. When you've got so much psychic energy taken up for that, you're not as available to think about what's going to be the next gig. Oh, my gosh. That, yes, because, I mean, I'm even thinking about, like, it's it's generally him that comes to me with a business idea for us. And, I mean, when you – I, I yeah. wonder if you agree. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, and, and it, it – I can't think of a time where it's been opposite, like a legitimate business idea where I've come to you. Yeah. We're talking like more than just a one-off idea. We're talking about let's pursue this. Yeah. Yeah. I I think so. And has that been okay or, or was it interpreted as 
he's better at business he has a bet he has a better knack he's the real one you're the follower he's the leader i mean that may be true but there's a reason for this he's free to think about ideas because he's got nothing else that's important to be thinking about mm-hmm. and during that time you're trying to think about am i going to keep my family is my mother going to be upset my dad going to be upset you know my community what price will my family pay what price will my brother pay who can think about the next business when you're busy with all of that? Oh my, totally. I mean, wow. I, I just but say this in your own words because I'm just throwing this out there. You tell me your experience in your own words, or tell it to him because I'm not sure that that's even something you guys have ever really talked about. Yeah, I mean, I think you are so naturally gifted with business, and you have the education to back it up, and I don't. And then, you know, on top of that just kind of thinking about like the culture question. I think I imitated you a lot because you looked and sounded like, and I mean, we look the same, but you know, like you fit in way easier with those people. And so, I mean, I think as a result, I kind of just have imitated you in certain business scenarios because it's hard for me. You know, I think I have this feeling that like, if, if a businessman knows I'm gay, they're like not going to want to do any business with me. And so I just have felt like there's no way for me to be successful without you here. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm. Just let this land on you for a sec. Okay. Thinking about that and I'm thinking how I have interpreted that. I think the language that we use was like follower, right? Or that like one of us has these gifts, the other is kind of the one following. It's weird because I've known the context that you were in with all of that. I don't know why it's hitting me a little differently now, but maybe like maybe I'm just starting to grasp how horrible the time that was for you. That I, I hate to say it, but th- and that is how I have interpreted it as you know, I come to you with let's do this, let's do this, this, this you need to take this task. I'll take this task. We'll do, you know, go about it this way. I've taken that as you don't really, it's not really like a, a huge interest of yours. It's not something you really care about too terribly much. That's for sure caused me hesitation. But yeah. but now I'm sitting here thinking, <laughs> maybe I've misinterpreted this whole thing. I mean, I don't want to overlook either like the idea that, you know, you have the education and I think, I can fake it, but I feel like I have to be you. I think what I'm saying is I have no idea how I would ever go into a room and raise money from like a group of successful looking men at a bank Mm -hmm. without you there. And I'm sure that feels like, I would guess that feels like a lot of pressure. For years, they thought one of them is the talent, the natural born business guy and the other one just didn't have much to contribute. And so one feels like he's doing it all, and the other one feels like no matter what he brings, it's never really valued. But as I listen to them, it becomes much more clear to me that maybe this is not just an issue of power, and more the consequences of identity. This is a question. I don't know how to be 
because if I was me, I don't think they would want to do business with me. So I have to imitate you. If therefore, or maybe, question mark, if I was me and knew that that would not become a cause for them not wanting to work with me, maybe I wouldn't shut down. Maybe I don't shut down because I don't have the knack for it, even though I may be interested in other things, etc. But maybe I shut down because I realized that very, very early on, I've learned that, you know, this thing called being a gay man isn't going to get me business. So, of course, I shut down. And then I try to think, how do I do what you do? That's not the only thing. But basically, if you can't be who you are, you have to be somebody. (laughs) (laughs) And since you have him so close to you, the easiest one to imitate is him. Right. I mean, especially like this idea that we're like a unit, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, we look the same. We sound similar. People think we're the exact same. So, like, I think, of course, I would imitate you. I mean, at the same time you were imitating me, I was imitating people trying to figure out who I was, too. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, I guess my point is I was completely, I was completely making it up. Like, yeah, like every young person does. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, I is, a, <laughs> that is part of the, <laughs> you know, you're looking at the business dudes and thinking, you know, yeah. that's what they do. I'm going to copy that. And he looks at you and he says, I'm going to copy that, yeah. you know. But he thinks you've got it figured out because you at least know who you are and you don't have to hide it. So he thinks you sound so confident. Yeah. And you're saying, I've got the confidence of a 23-year-old, which means I'm arrogant. Yeah, exactly. You know, some people, when they're shy, shut down. And some people, when they don't feel very confident, they become more arrogant (laughs) to compensate for it. So you went in those two directions. Mm -hmm. And while I'm saying this, I'm well aware that this is not just a matter of individual differences. His threat detector is not mistaken when it tells him that the businessman in the room would probably not give him a penny if they knew he was gay. It's not just shyness. It's shyness in the backdrop of homophobia, including that of his closest person, his twin brother. There is a possibility also, especially you are studying something completely different, you're studying human behavior and and human psychology, that maybe you're not as interested. And would that be okay? Must you work together? Must you do business five, six, and seven together? Are there other ways that you can do some of them and not all of them? Can you have separate careers? That's a question too. Yeah, that is like, I think I feel like that is the question. And, you know, I think I'm a little afraid of that question of, am I less interested in this? Because I think if I'm being completely honest, I think I am less interested. (laughs) Part of me is like, I want to become a therapist. And then it's like, well, then what is it? Where does that leave me? I I hate saying this, but I'm terrified you're going to make a lot more money than me. 
and I'm nervous that if we were to part ways that I'm going to get like left behind. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean, whoa, 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 whoa. One sec. If you are a successful business guy and you make much more money, I am left behind because I am, because I become a therapist, which is by the way, what I do. (laughs) I don't consider myself left behind, but (laughs) what exactly are you saying? Of course, of course, if you want to make money, never become a therapist. That is not a way to be rich. You can survive and live okay, but no, it's not business. That's for sure. Um, You don't become a therapist to make money. But that doesn't mean you're left behind. What does that expression mean for you? That is such a good question. I think feeling left behind would be like looking back and having a regret that I didn't end up making a decision to work with you. And I mean, honestly, I think left behind to me feels like I don't make as much money. Mm-hmm. And I know that doesn't even make sense. Well, to unpack it a little bit. Talk about money. We've already talked about sex. We can talk about money and then we talk about death. We'll have covered the whole tree. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we'll cover it all. We'll cover it all. Um, I, I think we each have maybe a complicated relationship with money. My family didn't struggle for it growing up. Like that wasn't a thing that we like had issues with. I do think that maybe the people we were around like, Oh, it sounds so basic, but like it seems to me like some of my memories of the happiest people we were around had a lot of money. Did you learn that you are more valued if you have more bills in your pocket? I think my dad had the idea that I would go to business school as well or that I would go to law school as well. And I I just, I knew early on I really didn't want to do that, but you were doing it. And so I thought I should do it. But I remember like conversations that I had about like, no, I actually think I want to go to become a therapist. And it would always turn back to like, well, you know, you want to basically the idea, like you want to make sure that you're set up to do well. Mm -hmm. And and I think that like enough conversations of that made me second guess so much going this direction, which is probably why I'm, you know, could have gone when I was 22 and now I'm 29, almost 29. Uh, it was always like no questions asked of why you wanted to do that. Like no, no interest regarding the whole profession and what that could look like. It was always, you know, maybe you should go to business school too Mm -hmm. so that you can learn how to make money through it or yeah. And it's never really focused on. Yeah. And I think you were getting like all the attention you were like you started getting like more questions asked or like interest shown towards you yeah 100 percent, i did what kind of questions questions that you would that i would think of in a conversation that's engaging like well how would you see this going or you know how would you Ah, see this developing over the attention because your father can relate to what you do And so he talks with you, he's interested, he has ideas, and et cetera, et cetera. Whereas you, he doesn't know what this is about. Well, I think it's probably worth noting that, like, when I told him I got into business school, they were, like, screaming over the phone, jumping, so excited. And when I got into therapy school, they were excited, but it was definitely a different reaction. Definitely a different reaction. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's not just that one son was more talented or skilled than the other. It's also that the talents of one son were more valued than the other, simply because the apple fell closer to the tree. And so if therapy had been valued similarly as being a business person or going to law school, both children would have grown up with the sense that they are both talented. It's hard to say this is what I want when you're faced with a family who may not appreciate that choice and you care about their reaction. An influential poll from the New York Times and Siena College last month showed that 23% of registered Black voters said if the election was held today, they'd vote for Donald Trump. Now, this is a big deal. Black voters historically vote Democrat, overwhelmingly. On Sunday, I sat down at South by Southwest with Charlemagne the God. Charlemagne commands one of the largest young Black audiences in the country as co-host of The Breakfast Club. And he's become known for his blunt and provocative interviews of politicians and his critiques of Joe Biden and the Democrats. I'm the type of person, I, I feel like as, as a Black person, I don't see how we're beholden to either one of these parties. I don't understand these black conservative crazies, and I don't understand these black liberal crazies either. I think as a black person, you shouldn't be beholden to any political party in this country because we haven't really seen, um, I mean, Democrats have done more, but we haven't really seen anybody systemically help us get out of the situation that we're in. Because I think that's something that people never truly address. Charlemagne the God on Today Explained. Every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. I think I've just felt kind of stupid. I just feel like me going that route, 10 years on the road, I'm going to end up regretting it. And you're going to have had, you know, this great experience with business. And I'm going to like be just trying to make ends meet. And you want to know how your brother reacted when you got into therapy school? Yeah. How did you react? Are we, are we asking your observation or just me? I can you, you. Okay, I was thrilled. I mean, I think you know that, but I was thrilled. Correct me, if this is wrong, but what I remember is that I've been telling you you should apply to this program and go for the past three years now. Right? Is that yeah, no, accurate? That's right. Yes. Like, I mean, whenever. In, in business stuff, I immediately call him if it has to do with instincts with people or anything like that. And because it, it really is what he is absolutely phenomenal at. And so, I mean, I was thrilled. I finally felt like you were doing what you had actually wanted to do for so long. Yeah, you are. I, I can like, if anything, you, you've been trying to talk me into actually doing it for a long time. And then I talk myself out with like all the things I'm considering. Yeah that, you know, it would not be the most practical move. I mean, to be fully honest, I, I, I feel like I've run uh, a broker role or a middleman role between explaining to our parents that, no, this is actually the best thing. This would, he is built for this, you know? Mm -hmm. and I, I mean, out of our immediate family, I'm for sure the only one. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. Yeah. No, I, I think you're the one, the only one who, well, 
our our mom but yeah. like other than that like you're the only one who's shown like genuine curiosity for why yeah. i want to do what i do yeah your brother says anytime i start a business even if you're not equal with me in terms of the the actual structure of the business itself whenever i have an interpersonal question i turn to you so that too has value in a business right okay value is measured by all kinds of criteria contribution you know 50-50 may not just be about how many hours you put in and how many hours he puts in maybe it's about how you save a certain situation maybe it's about how you know who to hire and not hire you know lots of other pieces that create that give a sense of equity and equality and fairness in your partnerships yeah and if you're going to continue work together maybe you won't be 50% in terms of the full business you will have shares in every single one of them parts of you because you want to have other work that is not related just to the business but you you will need to think about the richness of possibilities about how you partner rather than just we're going in it we both sweat the same way we both invest the same amount of hours we both you know it's not going to be about similarity it's going to be about complementarity hmm. that makes a ton of sense i said that that i would call you if there's any sort of you know interpersonal people mm-hmm. issue am i off on that cuz i saw a little it seemed a little like oh am i off on that that's my question no 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 i don't i think you're i think you're off maybe on that maybe i don't i don't feel like you considered that bringing value to the business i feel like i'm just your like first call Oh no, that's not. No. That's not what I think. Is that I mean is that why you thought that I, why you think that I'll call you or or am I am I am I missing something? Am I in my head am I thinking that I ask you for your opinion on stuff a lot more than I actually do? That's a good question. I think you no, I think you do ask me. No, you're you're not off. You do ask me, but I, but it doesn't feel like it. Uh, it doesn't feel like part of the business. It just feels like our relationship. Okay. So so like in terms of it bringing value to the business, I wouldn't consider that. Okay. Or it didn't feel like that to me. It's a very important thing that you've just discussed because what you're saying is because talking about people and having relationship talks and having interpersonal understanding types of conversations is what we do as brothers it doesn't feel like it's a full set of skills that i bring that contributes to the success of a business whereas your legal knowledge that can be measured quantified separated delineated but psychological knowledge that's part of what every relationship has therefore it's what we just do as people and as brothers Yes. <laughs> I'm just laughing because it's it just it seems like God. No, I was about to interrupt you. Sorry. Oh God, I didn't have anything to say. <laughs> I think you I think you have more measurable knowledge than I do. 
I do too. We were talking the other day about being in control on decision-making and I feel like an asshole saying this for the majority of things. I felt like I need to be in control. Like for example, how do we expand? How do we raise money? All of that. I felt like I needed to be the one in control for that. And, and that hasn't really left much room for you. Yes, I agree. I agree. I feel like you've, you've tended to be in control. I would say like, and I don't, I don't like that. I'm not trying to be like, I don't know. No, I was just going to say, I mean, I think I, I sometimes wonder if you had like this, if you had like this instinct of being my twin, knowing that like, I had no idea how to show up in front of a group of men that intimidated me. And if like, you might've, I wonder if you took on like a more of like the leader of us role early on. And it's just hasn't like gone away. I, I think I, I, th- I think I did, but we had never, it's something we'd never explicitly talked about until, I don't know, the past six months or something. It sounds like you and I've observed, like didn't really feel like you fit in with a lot of like guys who are, you know, we grew up with or in our class or played sports with or whatever. I guess for as long as I can ever remember, I felt in protective mode. Maybe a good way to explain it is this. Whenever he moved to go to therapy school, I don't know if I've told you this. I was sitting with my therapist talking and she asked, how is it? You know, how's it with him being gone? The way I explained it was, I feel like I've been like a mean dog protecting you from people here for a long time. I think it's become much more pronounced in our 20s, but even early on, whenever it was subtle, I still Meaning felt you like always sensed that he was slightly different. You didn't necessarily know why. And yes. you felt that he was more vulnerable and that you were the more conventional conforming guy. And it wasn't a stretch for you to adapt yourself to the rules of the game and the norms that were expected. And so you wanted to protect him. Exactly. I mean, from a, for as long as I can remember, it's been like that. And I'm ti- I'm just tired. I'm tired of, of... From protecting you, it became leading you. Yes, that's, yeah. Right? This is a tough conversation to have. And yeah. I don't I think that much of this has ever been said between the two of you. And mm-hmm. uh, and you're doing really, you're doing good. You're doing fine. You, you know, the fear that if we put this all out there, what is this going to do to us? Your bond is so strong. You know, it will only get stronger. Yeah. So be okay. honest. Okay, so... Whenever I think about going ahead with business, this is the intersection I think of is with all of that, I guess, discrimination is the best way I know how to word it, that you have faced. I've, you always know where I'm going to land. I'm always going to go to bat for you. But I thought what happens in the intersection of we're working together and you you need protection. Let's say let's say you need someone going to bat for you. And let's say that those like one is going to demand everything. You can't do both. And like I I I, I know where I'm going to land every single time. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to choose you every single time. And so when I think about that in the business context, I think well, then is it easier for us to just not work together to not complicate those things so that it's these goals I have aren't held back 
I said, Phil, I, or be in a more accepting environment, maybe? Yeah, <laughs> being in a more accepting environment. I mean, like if it comes down to you versus the business, I will always choose you. And so it makes me think, well, then is it better for us not to work together so I don't have to choose so that I can do both? When I'm hearing him say, and which may be one of the hardest things for him to articulate, is I love you, I will always protect you, but I'm not sure I want to work with you as a way to protect you. That being business partners has been as much about creating an anti-discrimination shield as it has been about creating ventures together. I'm trying to think of a situation where it would be like protect me versus the business. And I'm having trouble thinking about that, but I guess I'm wondering if it's more like you sense like it's going to be conflict or the like appease me in a conflict or business. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think the best, I think the best way to explain this is with our second business. Is that okay? That's fine. With our second business that I had done for about two years by myself, uh, he was going through a particularly, this was probably the window of time that was most difficult for you. Yeah. Just, just people coming after you. Like, I mean, it was awful. Like, like being sent to conversion therapy in the same time that I'm trying to like run a business. With yeah. Him. Yeah. I mean, and so at Isn't that it point, strange how people sometimes say some of the most painful things with laughter? Oh, yeah. Like you just did? I did. I'm doing it again. I mean, I am cringing just hearing this. Yeah. Because I talk about it and, like, I make jokes about it. But, I mean, I was – it was awful. And it was, like, relentless. I mean, it was – I think just you hear over and over and over again. I'm saying this from what I've observed hearing, but you've heard a thousand times more – you know, kill that part of yourself, kill this part of yourself, kill this part of yourself. This part of yourself should die. It's part, you know, and just, I think that I've had the luxury of not having that told to me every week. Yeah, so but, you can think about business. He's thinking about surviving. Yeah. And so it got to a point where I was, my, my mind can just run away. And so I was really worried about him and so I just said, said, I said, you know, just let's just half it. Let's half the business. You leave. He, he was working at a job that was awful. Just said, let's just, let's half it. Um, and I guess that's the way I think of with that, with a scenario in the future where it's like, do I, do I have to choose? Because like, in that situation, I'm now realize I probably didn't have to choose, but it felt like that. What did you have to choose between what and what? Between keeping full ownership of the, my company and uh, and going this route that I wanted to go, which was raising you know money and just a, to- a totally different route. And so I gave up half of I gave up half of that, and then uh, gifted it to me and gifted it to him. Um, just to, so we could, I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking, 
let's just like go do this together. Let's get you out of all this, you know, terrible situation that you're in. And, and then, you know, it also came down to decision power. I think it kind of split 50, 50. And I did that. He never asked me to do it. And I think I have quietly, I hate saying this. I think I quietly resented that for a long, sorry, for a long time. I feel kind of like an asshole saying this, but I think (laughs) part of me is like, I didn't, you know, well, one, I mean, thank you. Like I didn't, I don't feel like an asshole for saying that. I don't even want you to say that. But like beyond that, I don't, I never asked you to do, I never asked you to give me half of a business because you thought I was going to like go off the deep end. Mm -hmm. What was your fear for him? That he would, that he would die. From? Suicide. One of my closest friends in the world died in that exact same month of time. With the same circumstances? Not the exact same, but there's a lot of overlap. You know, I would just I would just picture it, which is where my mind can run off. But you pictured him taking his life. Yeah, yeah, I did, and it was yeah. You know, and so at that sort of thing, it's like okay, I'll do. And it's and I I know you you now I'm like my mind my mind ran away with this. So I I want to be clear that it wasn't something where he's coming to me being like, this is, you know, I'm thinking about this because that wasn't the case. I understand you. I understand you. It makes a lot of sense. You, you, you thought I need him close by. I don't want to lose him. Like I lost Mm -hmm. her. I know what he's facing or I don't, but I have some vague idea of what he's facing when he's not saying it with laughter. Mm -hmm. And he's not telling you what he's facing because, because he, I don't know why, actually. Why don't you tell him? I mean, you didn't tell him what you were going through. He, you know. I don't be filtered on this. He wasn't accepting at yeah. first when I came out to him, which is so interesting because, like, if I think of, like, biggest ally now, it's you. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't that case at the beginning. I think you were, like, shocked. Or to me, it felt like you were shocked and disappointed. And I remember at that time you told me, like, we should never work together again because you've been lying to me for however many years. And I'm just finding out. I didn't actually tell him (laughs) he found out by coming across some messages with somebody. I think he, I think you felt, I mean, to me, it seemed like you felt so like, it was like, I lied to you. Yeah. That's at the, I mean, yeah, I felt like, I don't feel that way anymore to clarify, but yeah, but yeah, at the time I was, I was, just like he's been lying. He's been lying to me. I can't, I can't. And I think after that too, like I didn't tell him stuff for probably an, another year or two, even yeah. though he already knew I was gay and all of that. I, I think I was just like, yeah, I mean, you made a deliberate point for good reason to say you're, you're cut out of this whole piece of my life. I'm not telling you anything. Don't ask me. I'm not going to answer. Yeah, I forget about all that. Yeah, so I mean, for about a year and a half, I guess, you know, you made the call to cut me out completely. Mm-hmm. So, and that's that's all in that time. That's all in that time where, you know, I said, let's split the business and then resentment slowly building up. It's like, it feels like I would just flip back and forth between 
being like, why did, why did I do like just resenting that? And then being like, I need to do everything I can to make sure he's okay. And it was just like almost hour to hour of flip. So basically one of them says to the other, I'm gay. And the first reaction is, why have you never told me? You lied to me. And then the other one says, well, if I can't talk to you and you resent me for it, then I'm not going to tell you anything. And then this one becomes aware of the challenges that the other one is going through with reform therapy and the danger that his brother lives with. And he realizes he's got only me. I'm the only one who can save him and protect him. And I don't want to lose him like I lost my friend. But then he gives him half the business, which he then resents because he experiences it as the only way to make sure that he can protect him. And everything gets all mixed up. Is he the only one with dark corners? Or do you have your own? Oh my, yeah, I have, I have my own. Can we put those a little bit on the table too? So that yeah. you get a better understanding together of some of your vicious fights or intense fights. They may not be vicious, but they can get really intense. intense yeah. Um, partly because they sit on all kinds of detonators. Yeah. And he's not the only one that has a detonator. You have some too. Yeah. I, so six months after my friend died from suicide, I was a rafting guide and was involved in an accident and 11 year old kid drowned. Um, and quite a bit of feeling responsible for that. And so, I mean, I came, I came home to this business that needed to be run. That Were you responsible or not? I'm sorry. Were you responsible? Uh, no, no. I've I've been honestly in therapy since it happened, and I'm I'm comfortable enough with that. Okay. Now, I mean, for you know, the immediate three years after, I was like, "This is my fault. I could have changed it." But more so, I could have changed it. That was what I just felt so intensely. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I I came back. I've since learned a lot about trauma and going through that. A lot of those months and the year after just feel completely dark. Like I don't even remember a lot of it. It was awful. And I mean, you took care of everything. Yeah. Business wise, but I, I don't know why this is the first time I'm actually thinking of that piece. Like, I honestly don't even remember rest of that year. You know, it was it was awful. And then and then I think there's there's sit with this just one sec. Let this sink in just one sec. So I mean now I'm sitting here thinking like that's when you took care of me. I feel like I had taken care of you for well, maybe did a shitty job of it but but like that's I, I think that's like when you actually took care of me and took care of the entire business 
What's it like for you to hear him say this? Oh, that makes me, and I, I'm like sitting here, honestly, trying not to get all cry if I need to, but oh, it makes me sad. That's mm -hmm. really sad because I look back and remember how anxious and how depressed and how like intense those could feel at times, mm -hmm. but those feel like incidental. I, I guess what I'm saying is like, yes, I think I did take care of you a lot that year, but it didn't feel like much of a burden. But you had an accident on the job. Uh, right? Yes. It's basically, and you felt very, very guilty and responsible mm -hmm. for the death of this child. So you mm -hmm. had been able to save your brother, but not this kid. Yeah. And it was all, I mean, it was all within six months that all this happened. Probably the most pronounced thing I remember about that year following was just like, you know, I could, I could not, I would go to sleep and I would dream about it. I wake up and think about it. There's just no escape from it. I, kind, I mean, it kind of felt like one of my only escapes was business just to focus on this stuff, but it would still follow me there. And then I would just get, you know, go into this hole and go off the grid for four weeks at a time or something. But see, here's the thing. You, Mr. Businessman, who in your mind think I'm always doing more. I know it better. I've got that natural talent. You then say I gave it to him and you completely forget that for a year or more, he's running it. Mm -hmm. And because he constantly thinks that what he has to offer isn't substantive enough and doesn't have enough business value. And he's constantly trying to prove to you that he's worthy of being your partner in business. I'm not talking in life. For a long time, he accepts the language of you gifted this to him. I mean, the company all in all, how many years did it last? If he took care of it for a year and a half, then there was only another year and a half where you did more. Yeah. It's not like this is a 20-year business in which he did a year of, of, of leadership, right? Mm -hmm. But your concept of I do more and his concept of I don't do enough are married together. Huh. That's really interesting. What do you think? I, I need to think about it. What do you think? I, I mean, I'm relating to what was just said on my part. Yeah. Like, like trying to work my way to where it feels like, I, I guess, equal value. We think we have power struggles, but in fact, we're afraid of loss. I relate a lot to that. What we're really fighting about is how do we find a better way to stay together? Because I don't want to lose you. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah, that, that feels really. Accurate. It's not about power. It's about loss. Oh, yeah. It's not about which position is better. It's about how do we find a way to stay together but not in that kind of together. How do we continue to work together, but not in a, not like this? Yeah. So in a way you fight because that's a way to stay connected. If we fight, then we're involved with each other. Yeah. Yeah. But if we start about other ways to be involved with each other. You, we may not fight nearly as much about these things because when it comes to strategy, 
on some level, he thinks you probably have a perfectly valid strategy. Maybe it's not the only one or the right one, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about the strategy. He cares about you caring about him. Oh my God. That is, that is like completely on target. I like, you know how I've kind of said, like at times I felt erased by the business Yeah, to me. I did. Yes. I don't, I don't want to get like lost. I don't want to, I feel like I would like lose. I just like, yes, I feel like it's not a power struggle. It's a loss. Like if like that, I would lose, like just be erased from it. Yeah. I, I'm fumbling my words, but I think no, it makes sense I mean. to me. I mean, I'm thinking of fights we've had and the fight gets to the point where he's thinking, I want to, I'm out. I'm not going to do this anymore. Immediately. I'm like, no, no, no we'll, we'll change it. Cause I don't, I don't want to work differently. I just want to be, well, honestly, a lot of it, I want to be in charge and I want you next to me. That is a very good way of putting it. Very articulate and accurate. And he says, I don't want to be in charge and I want you next to me. It actually, <laughs> it fits actually. It kind of fits, but you have to find formulas for it. And for that, you have to become flexible and try out a bunch of different things knowing that the one that you have now isn't working so well. So as they leave this session, how can these two stay as close and as caring and protective of each other, but create a bit of a separation between what needs to be done as loving brothers who have such a powerful bond and business partners who are trying not to be cast in a bind. Esther Perel is a therapist, best-selling author, speaker, and host of the podcasts Where Should We Begin and How's Work. To apply with a colleague or partner to do a session for the podcast, or to follow along with each episode's show notes, go to howswork.estherperel.com. How's Work is produced by Magnificent Noise for Gimlet and Esther Perel Productions. Our production staff includes Eric Newsom, Eva Walchover, Huatay Gatana, and Kristen Muller. Original music and additional production by Paul Schneider. And the executive producers of How's Work are Esther Perel and Jesse Baker. We would also like to thank Lydia Polgreen, Colin Campbell, Courtney Hamilton, Nick Oxenhorn, Sarah Kramer, Jack Saul, and the entire Esther Perel global media team. <laughs>